Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. I pray you are empowered to walk in the fullness of your God design. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you. For the opportunity to just gather together tonight, God, in your name, God, for your purpose and for your glory, we step back. God, and we make room for you. And we step way back. And we leave a lot of room for you. Because you're a big God and you want to work in big ways. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to step into your presence. God, we thank you for gracing us with your presence. We acknowledge your presence in this room, and it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. You know, there's this urgency in my heart to do more than just stir people up in a soulish emotion or passion, but really have an understanding of what it looks like to really delve in and press into just the nitty-gritty of the gospel. That's not easy. And, and we're here to talk tonight a little bit more just like as parents, like what does that look like? I love that we have kids here because you guys are probably going to help me minister at some point tonight because that's why I like kids coming. So... And we're going to be talking about that, but the heart of discipleship is really the idea and the concept of demonstration and imitation. It's really about experience. It's not about information. Um, I was reading again today in the scriptures. It's, it's amazing. Can I, can I just, can I just glorify the, the Lord and his word and how amazing and how deep it is? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I know it's in here somewhere. Infamous verse that I've probably quoted so many times, but even just today, the Holy Spirit is pulling back layers if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So again, here God is addressing his disciples. He says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And I started thinking about that word know, and that word know there means it's a recognition of truth by personal experience. Okay? So it's like, oh, it's more than just having a knowledge of information, but it's coming into a recognition of truth because of personal experience. I think we've become a culture that's very informed, very inexperienced. Um, and that's why I love that there are children here because I think it's time for us to start exposing our children to some experience in the kingdom and not protecting them because they may not understand or they may not, because they need to come into an understanding. And if you back up, it says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you that truth. It's also the idea of a reality outside of spiritual sense. So when I was reading and studying in, these, in the Greek connotation, this whole verse, in the original meaning, it's, so it's the idea of God wanting to tap into the actual natural side of man's logic in a non-supernatural way to actually take a supernatural concept and make it reality. Okay, so that's what he's saying in this passage. Something that we've heard so many times. You shall know, you shall know, you shall perceive, you shall understand. There is something out there that will become a reality to you. And it is a truth which you will come to acknowledge and recognize because of personal experience. Not the experience of my Sunday school teacher or the Sunday or the experience of my neighbor or the experience of my parents, but an experience that I have had for myself. An understanding of who God is. 
This has nothing to do with anything, but it's fantastic. So, but I, it was a revelation that the Lord gave me on, on the plane, and, and I was like, this is good. This is good, because how many of us have heard, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, right? And we read that word know, and we read it in our frame of reference, and we think, well, this means I'm going to gain a knowledge of what truth says, instead of I'm going to have an experience of what truth is. There's a difference there between having head knowledge and having a heart reality in my life. Right? Like, I can say, God is my comforter. He's a comforter in a time of sorrow. But can I be honest with you and tell you, I've not really ever experienced death of anybody close in my life. So at this point in my life, that's a knowledge that I have. It's a faith that I have that I walk on, and that's who God is. But for me personally, it hasn't, it's not a reality. Because I haven't experienced that walk. Not personally, not for me. See, it's when we come into a place, and that's why God allows us to come into trials and tribulations, because he's trying to take this knowledge that we have, this information that we've been taught, and shift it into a reality, so that we know that we know that we know that we know. That's the what you know that will make you free. Right? That's the what I know that will make me free. So how do we set that up in the kingdom, right? So how do we, the question is, I asked this question in, in the book, Discipleship from Information, right? I'm trying taking from information to execution. I want to turn, take information in people's lives and I want to turn it into, teach them how do I execute this knowledge. See, I was a stay-at-home mom for years and I have six children, by the way. And yes, they did all come from my body. I do know what causes it. Those are the questions that people ask me. And they do come from the same man as well. As I've been married 26 years. So. so here's the question is how do we chemically create what should be happening organically in the church, which is discipleship? That's the question that the church asks. How do we start a discipleship program? You don't start a discipleship program. It's not a program. It's something that you do. It's something that we are that organically should be happening in the kingdom. And the better question is, why isn't it happening in the kingdom? Okay, so I'm not here to jack at the church building. I am here to jack at us and to challenge us because I'm not a feel-good preacher. I want you to walk out of here feeling challenged, asking yourself some really good questions and saying, I want to see change in my life. And I want to be more impactful for the kingdom. So when I began to ask myself, how do I take somebody who's walking through a sick season, somebody who's in the middle of an unhealthy circumstance, somebody who's in the middle of unhealthy emotions, somebody who hasn't learned how to think healthy thoughts, and they've given their life to Christ, and they're saved eternally, but they're walking around like they're lost. They're still filled with hopelessness. They're still filled with depression. They're still filled with anger. They can't seem to break free from their addiction. They're living on the streets because I know the God that I read about, that is not what salvation encompasses. And we should be bothered by that. We should be very bothered by a less than blessed lifestyle, not just in ourselves, but in the lives of those around us. And I began to be very bothered by this. And so I just asked the Lord, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And the Lord kept saying, are you available? Will you do anything? Would you follow me? If I lead you, will you follow? If nobody else comes with you, would you still come? 
And every time, with much hesitation, I was like, okay, I'll go one more step. Out of that has birthed a ministry that we now are on five acres of land. We have a counseling ministry that's free to our county in Johnson County. We do about a quarter of a million dollars worth of free counseling to our county annually. We are the largest counseling center in Johnson County and probably the most popular, probably because we're free, but it's also because we work. We work in the school districts, we work with the judiciary system, we work with CPS, and we are biblical counselors. None of us are licensed, we don't partner with the state. So everything that we do is strictly by the Bible, okay? The other thing that we do is, for those people who have come into what we call a sick season or a sick circumstance, and they need a long-term time of rehabilitation, so they don't just need help with their sick thinker and their sick feeler, but they have made sick choices and it has landed them into a sick circumstance, and now they don't have a home, they don't have a car, they don't have childcare. So I'm talking about a lot of single women with their children. We bring them in and we house them for up to two years and we completely rehabilitate them. We currently have a 95% success rate, meaning this. The ladies and the children that have come through our program now are living a sustainable lifestyle. They have housing, they have transportation, they have childcare, they have gained employment. Several of them have not just gotten GEDs but have gotten college educations while they're staying with us. Okay, so see, these are some of the things that we are doing coming alongside, but the most important thing we do is that we rehabilitate these ladies mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We teach them how to think healthy. We teach them how to feel healthy. We teach them how to make healthy choices and therefore navigate our lives into the promised land. Right? So we don't have to be navigated by our emotions and we don't have to be navigated by our thoughts. We don't have to be navigated by our circumstances. News flash. But we have been given the power of death and life to choose blessing or curses this day. Choose what will you pick? Meaning this, the choices that you make today literally navigate your future. That's exciting. God says, I've given you power and I've given you authority. And every choice you make today is helping to navigate your future. That's a powerful thing that God has given to you. See, every kid is looking for, wants to be a superhero, is looking for a power, right? They've been given power. They've been given the power of choice. And a lot of adults have not figured that out. Tonight, we're going to talk a little bit more about discipleship, and I've kind of um, gone into it just a little bit. But as I said, discipleship is really not a matter of talk. It's really a matter of demonstration, and it's really a matter of power. And so I'm going to talk a little bit and give some premise of discipleship specifically within the homes. How many of you in here have kids that are school age? Raise your hands. School age as in grade school age, I apologize. Grade school age. Okay, still, good. How many of you have kids that are, like, in toddler land? Toddler land, yes, bless you. <laughs> bless you. At one point in my life, I had all three. I had toddlers, school age, and teenagers. That was enjoyable and exhausting. I think you lived with us then, too, yeah. Okay, and how many of you guys have college kids? Anybody in here of college or older? Older, okay, good. All right, so we do have some youngins. So I'm kind of trying to gauge how much do I want to actually go into, like, you know, discipline. How many of you guys read the last, I think, almost a year ago, my husband was here with me, and we did a parenting-type deal. Okay, yeah? All right. Okay, so let me, let me back up a little bit and talk to you a little bit about um, discipleship. And then we're going to, I kind of like to use the verbiage instead of parenting our children. Tonight I want us to think about pastoring our children. 
Okay? And here's why. And, and oh gosh, the Lord was just really active on the airplane. He speaks a lot when there's a lot of muffled noise around you. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, Therefore, from now on, we regard one according to the flesh. We regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Okay, so let me focus on another part. From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Okay, so here's our challenge and a little bit of our conundrum in parenting. The first half of their lives is all about taking care of their flesh and their needs, right? We're changing their diapers, we're giving them baths, we're feeding them food, we're making sure that they're taken care of. And so it's all about parenting and caring and cultivating their flesh, taking care of their physical needs. And so because of that, that becomes the focal point for us as parents, as opposed to as parents saying, how do I cultivate the spirit man? Because we know that God has put a seed inside every single purpose, and it's a seed that they would prosper, right? It's a seed that they would have a purpose, that God says, I have a plan for you. It's a plan to prosper you, not to harm you or to hinder you, but that you would grow and you would be powerful and impactful for the kingdom. And so we know our spirit man knows there's a little spirit being inside of my child, but I'm so distracted by the daily activities, right? That I forget that I'm supposed to be pastoring my child first and parenting them second, Okay, so what I want is I want us to be challenged tonight to say, how do I start pastoring my children? Okay, so let's think a little bit for a minute about what discipleship is. We're going to talk a little bit about what discipleship is. What is discipleship? So discipleship comes from the Greek word metheis, which means a learner. Okay, so metheis means a learner or one who follows a teaching. It implies not just a learning or a following or a teaching, but actually imitating a teacher. Discipleship is all about recognizing that information is not enough, that performance is essential. Okay, so let's apply this to real life. Forget the church. Let's think about when we disciple a basketball player. Do we sit in a room and give them information? Do we sit in a room and watch videos? No. What do we do? Tell me what we do again, man. Well, we go out and practice. That's right. We get up and we do it, right? So we perform a lot and we practice. Now, if you were to sit in a room every day and you were to read all about basketball, let's say you even watched it on, on TV, and then Saturday you had a game, do you think you would win that game? No. no. Okay. If you were to, every day for two hours, Maybe get a little bit of information, watch a little game tape, and then get up and say, okay, now let's practice what we just learned. How much more likely do you think you would be to win the game on Saturday? A lot. The whole world gets it. <laughs> Even this young man gets it. Would you like to come up here and take my spot? <laughs> He's like, sure. <laughs> so the per point is this. The whole world is doing what the church is going, how do we create this option? Can we just be honest? And, and again, I'm not... I'm not messing with the actual ins church institution. I have a tremendous respect for the church institution, although I think we have yet to discover the real church. But mm -hmm. I'll say that another night. Mm -hmm. Look at her. She's like, mm hmm Now you're going to preach. All right. So discipleship involves recognizing that information is not enough, but performance is essential. 
It's not a matter of how much you know, but it's vitally concerned with how much you can do. Okay, so it's not about knowledge, it's about execution. All right, so there's all these, and I'm gonna go through this pretty fast because I really feel like the Lord is like, just shut up and start demonstrating. So I want us to understand what discipleship is. It's most effectively taught by demonstration, most effectively learned through practice. I go into grand detail about all of this in my book, okay? And I'm not trying to sell my book. If you can't afford the book, just tell me. I don't care. But I do want you to get the message, okay? Because the church needs to get the message. We, the people of God, need to get the message that if we are not practicing and demonstrating, when the disciples came to to Jesus and said, teacher, teach us to pray, didn't he sit down and say, okay, let's look up what it means to pray? No, he said, when you pray, pray like this. And he began to do what? Pray. He began to demonstrate, right? In Mark chapter 3, Jesus calls disciples to follow him. Meaning, I want you to follow me actively. I'm going to be doing some things that you get to actually watch. I want you to follow me. Be in the same way with me. It means akalufio, which is where we get our word acolyte from, by the way. Okay, we know what an acolyte is. It's a little altar boy that follows and works with the priest, right, or the pastor. So they work with them, okay? So it's the concept of apprenticeship that we used to engage in, but now we don't have time for because we can just Google all the information we need. So we've lost the concept of one-on-one demonstration, but Jesus demonstrates for us by saying, okay, in Mark chapter 3, I'm going to call all these people, and they're going to follow me. In Mark chapter 4, he has classroom teaching when he says, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. So he gives information. He's beginning to teach them what is the kingdom of heaven like. And as he probably noticed that everybody's eyes were glazed over because they didn't understand these spiritual concepts because they were not a reality to them. They were just information that they don't understand. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus said, okay, time for some demonstrations. Mark chapter 5 opens with the deliverance of the man with the legion of demons. Then it goes quickly into the woman who was healed with the issue of blood. And then it goes into the raising of Jairus' daughter. So what we hear is a demonstration of the full gospel, which is deliverance, healing, and restoration. Mm -hmm. The full gospel, all in one chapter, not taught, but demonstrated. Mark chapter 6, Jesus lays his hands on the disciples and said, I'm giving you power, now go do it. It's that simple. There's your discipleship blueprint right there in the scriptures. In John chapter 17, he says, Father, I've come and I've accomplished everything that you've given me to do. Really? Because you haven't picked up the cross, gone up the hill, and died, been crucified yet. What is he talking about? I have made disciples that they therefore can go and manifest and make disciples. Part of what Jesus was sent here to do was to exemplify and demonstrate and raise up disciples so that when he left, a multiplication process would organically take place. Okay? So the question is, when was the last time you made a disciple who is now making disciples? You don't really have to answer that. 
but I will give a long, awkward pause. When was the last time you made a disciple? Now, we teach a class at our grounds called Homegrown Disciples, meaning are we discipling our own children? So let's connect this discipleship process into parenting because we want to have an understanding of how this connects. But first we have to understand that, that most of discipleship is a leading by example, okay? So, again, in the book, I talk a lot about, before you can, we talk about Paul's, Timothy, and Barnabas. Your Paul is your leader, your Timothy is your student, and your Barnabas are kind of your encouragers. So, every one of us should have a Paul, we should have a Timothy, and we should have a Barnabas in our life. And in different relationships, we should be a Paul, we should be a Timothy, and we should be a Barnabas. So, you should see all those different concepts in your life, all those different places, there are places in my life, my life, I hang out with some pretty powerful elders. I mean, I don't open my mouth in that setting. I mean, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to learn. And I don't speak unless I'm invited to speak because I know the pecking order in the room and I ain't it. <laughs> so when we have an understanding of order like that, we can understand that every, in every situation, there are places where we're going to be a Paul, where we're the one ministering, pouring into, teaching, demonstrating, leading. But there should be just as many places in your life where you are absolutely a Timothy. And you're still on the learning side of things. And you're still teachable. And you're still moldable. And you're exposing yourself to things that you do not know for the sake of continual growth in your life. And then we have those friends that we're born where we just have those iron sharpening iron type relationships where we encourage one another, we come alongside one another, we challenge one another, and we hold each other accountable, right? So leading by example, our own walk with God speaks louder than our words. Do as I do, not as I say. We must be a Timothy first and cultivate roots in our own lives. And that is what will speak so loudly to your children in your own home. Proverbs 13.20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Our own relationship with the Lord should compel us as parents. We need to be pursuing our own fellowship with God first. We must be a Timothy if we want to be a Paul. I'm going to say that again. You must be a Timothy if you want to be a Paul. Do not ever think you have surpassed being a Timothy in your life. Luke 6, 39 and 40 says, He spoke a parable saying this, Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. So again, it's talking about how we need to have an understanding that we must be a Timothy before and as well as being a Paul. Okay? So that is so important in understanding that. Now I want us to talk about for a minute... But I want, to, I want to point on this as having an understanding of order and authority. And God ordained order and authority in the home. If a general in the army were to walk in here right now, how many of us would stand and salute this man? If you have an understanding of his order and his rank, you probably would, right? The rest of you, if we just don't know, we just don't know. But the point is, is we wouldn't necessarily be respecting the man, but we would be having respect for the position, okay? So this is very important because 
I'm going to speak to you two now because you guys are my guinea pigs tonight. You're welcome. <laughs> so there are going to be times in your life that you don't like what mom and dad have to say. And there will be times in your life when mom and dad don't act perfectly. And they might make mistakes. And sometimes I see teenagers who have moms and dads who are not very nice to them. Okay? So, how do I instruct them in a way that is respectable and honorable to the Lord, even if their parents don't behave respectably? Don't answer that answer for you. Okay? What we teach them is it's not about honoring, in a sense, the person of your parent, but rather having an understanding of their position and how God has anointed the position of parenthood in your home. Okay? But unfortunately, a lot of parents don't know the anointing that you carry for your own home. Do you have an understanding that all over in the Old Testament, that all the patriarchs laid hands on their children and they blessed them? And that was considered an incredible, incredible power because they knew that just like God demonstrated by laying hands on Adam and Eve and speaking a blessing, therefore, then throughout all the patriarchs in the Old Testament, we see where the father lays hands on the children and blesses them. We see this in Genesis when Abraham lays hands on all of his children and speaks over them. Okay? Why? Because God is demonstrating for us that there is an anointing on the headship of the home to bless the children. Okay? So we're talking about the power and that the anointing that is on that position in the home. And if we don't understand how important that is, you must be a good steward of that anointing as parents. You need to understand that God has not just put me in my house to parent my child, but he has put me in the position to pastor this little spirit being that is, has a place in the kingdom. Okay, that's a big shift. So with that, in everything that we do, in everything that we teach, we want to have an understanding of what it means to parent the spirit of a child and not just the soul of a child. Okay? So we want to look beyond just, well, and let me say this, a lot of times when kids are little, we got to look beyond the behavior and look into the heart, which is parenting the soul, but then we need to look past the soul and actually pastor the spirit. Okay, so we're fostering and nurturing and stirring up the spirit man in our children, and we do that by the spirit, okay? So we do that by exposing our children to spiritual things, with a reading of the scripture, by praying over them, by saying, now you pray over me. Okay, listen, I'm going to pray over you tonight, and then you're going to pray over me. It should be automatic in our children's lives. Last night, we have something at our grounds called Praise and Worship on Monday nights. I know it's a creative name. Um, <laughs> you're all like, mm, what's that? So we have Praise and Worship on Monday nights. Quite honestly, I'm in the middle of writing a very large grant which is making me crazy, but so I, I was unable to go. I was like, I've got to get this grant done because it's due by the 15th, and I'm flying here, and then I'm going to Austin, and so I, I've got to get this done tonight. So I did not go. So at some point, my one of, some of my staff called me and said, hey, we want to pray over you, even over the phone, because we know, you know you've got a lot, a lot going on, and several of my children are sick right now, and, uh, and I was like, that would be great. And so I'm in my office, but I have an office in my house as well, 
And so I just pause what I'm doing, I push my computer away, put all the numbers and everything up, and I just get saturated in this prayer. And as they're praying, I feel these two little hands just come in. Well, it was my daughter, who is 11, came in and immediately knew what was happening and just organically jumped in and had her hands on my head, just like this. And without saying a word, and then as soon as they were done, she just left and, walked and didn't say a word. Like, how was that mom? And it was just very, you know, it, it was just like super nonchalant for her because this is normal. Normal because, why? Because she's got more than information. She's got experience, right? The Lord has been very intentional to tell me this summer that she's supposed to come to praise and worship all through summer. So she didn't come in the school year because it goes late. The point is, is, is I see the Lord stirring something up in her, okay? Probably about uh, six or seven, maybe months ago or something, uh, I've been wrestling with some adrenal fatigue and stuff. And so, so I was at the table, and so before 11 a.m., my... I, I want to say, like, this is my soulish response. My life sucks before 11 a.m. in the mornings because I have no cortisol going on, but... So I'm really struggle. I struggle in the mornings to, you know, I'm like way below the I'm not happy line on the cortisol chart, okay? So, so you know, there's this wrestling, this battling going on. And it was probably about six or seven months ago that I was just sitting at the kitchen table and I was headachy and my body was hurting. And so I'm, I'm trying to pray through, you know, just this, you know, foul whatever. And so I'm, I'm pressing into this, and again, my, my same daughter comes over, and she just starts rubbing my shoulders. And, um, and then I start hearing her whisper in tongues, not knowing that she had a prayer language, okay? So I hear her start just, just, and I'm like, and then all of a sudden, I feel like healing starting, and I'm like, oh, shut up twice, you know? And then, so I'm like, oh my gosh. And again, she's praying over me and gets done and just walks off like it's and I'm like whoa 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 come come back come on back and I was like what what what's what's going on I said you, were you praying oh yeah sometimes that happens when I'm praying you know that like sometimes I just kind of kind of feels like I start floating in the air and then I just start speaking and the Lord just I don't really know what's happening but and she's just like whatever <laughs> like this is just yeah, this is normal, right, mommy? Right? Because these are this is normal, right? So she doesn't just have information. This is what the Bible says about speaking in tongues and about praying over people. And there's we definitely want to do that too. Okay? So we need to give our children a foundation and a premise for why we believe what we believe. Okay? So you want to give them that, that foundation. So please do not leave scripture out of it. But if scripture is all we are doing, then we have stuck in Mark chapter 4, and we've never gotten to Mark chapter 5, and we will never get to Mark chapter 6. Because they will not be comfortable with Mark chapter 6, because we've skipped chapter, Mark chapter 5. You understand what I'm saying? So th that's why this is so important, that we have an understanding of pastoring the spirit man of our children means I no longer regard your flesh. But I look at you as two little spirit beings, and I'm seeking the Lord for what is their gifting. If we don't have an understanding, really, by the time our children are three, four, or five, of what potentially their spiritual gifts are, you are not seeking the Lord after your child's spirit man. Having a sense, I'm not saying you're going to bullseye, 
but having a sense of what your, your, your children's spiritual giftings are. You need to ask the Lord to open up your eyes that you would see that so that you can start shepherding that spirit and pasturing it. I have a lot of parents who come and schedule appointments because my children has vision, have visions, my children have this, my children are experiencing this, my children are experiencing that. And that's great, but I'm not going to meet with your child outside of you. Because I love to talk to your child, but more than anything, I'm going to teach you how to pastor your own child in their own gift. Because you need to help be able to teach, navigate the gifts that our children have. Okay? And so that's part of, so when, when Kathleen was like, hey, how do you feel about making this a family? And I'm like, that's great. Because we want to expose our children to experience, to having opportunities to actually experience healing, actually, actually experience praise and worship. Outside of the church, if all our children are ever experiencing God, is it two hours a week? We are really, really, really failing our jobs. Really, can I, how many times can I say really, like all night long? Like really, really, really failing our jobs. Because we are called to pastor. Our churches should be a supplement. If we're lucky, we make it to church. I travel so much. I minister so much. My children just go where I go. They worked the table last night. Some of the stuff was stuffed in there all wrong. And I was like, Mariah, I need your help. You guys got to get out of bed. I'm like, I've got to write this. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, these papers got to come out. This needs to be printed. These need to be stapled. Put them in here. And they're like, okay. And while they're doing it, guess what they're doing? They're reading the audio summaries. They're like, oh, Mariah, I haven't heard this message. What's that about? What does it mean to reframe your reference? Well, so I'm going to do an explanation of how we, you know what it means to reframe because you've heard that message. So that's what they're asking. So just organic conversation because I'm inviting them in to be a part of what I'm doing, which is all about discipleship as well. So I kind of like right through the discipleship training because I feel like what the Lord wanted us to really have an understanding of tonight is what are we doing to expose our children to experience for the purpose of pastoring their spirit man. Regarding them as flesh, regarding the flesh no longer, looking into their spirit beings and saying, I see your little spirit being and I want to be a part of navigating that. In fact, I understand the stewardship that God has given to me in stewarding that, that spirit being. Are we, are we understanding? So I, I know I've kind of like through the whole discipleship concept that's super important, but if you get nothing else, have an understanding that really is about experience and execution more than information. Okay? I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to click subscribe so you can catch each episode every month. I want you to walk in your fullness. For more information about other services and resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. You can also find me on YouTube by searching Lisa Schwartz LLC. I look forward to connecting with you. Remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you.